41 people last week took the plunge. Isn't that awesome? 41 people. I love that. Baptism is not where our sins are washed away. Baptism is where we put on the Jesus jersey and we say, I have decided to follow Jesus and I'm going public. And I want the world to know. So for any of you out there that were part of the 41, um, heaven, I think, is still applauding. We are still excited. That never gets old. It never gets old. Turn to someone next to you and say, it never gets old. Never gets old. And that's what we are called to do. And see, here's the cool thing, is when I give my life to Christ, he makes me brand new. And I'm not perfect, but in God's eyes, I'm perfect. And that's huge. And so when I follow him in baptism, that is the first step in your Christian faith. It's your first step. I encourage people to do it right away because it's like first base. We're watching baseball. It's baseball season. And, man, someone hits a home run, but, but they, I see your excitement. I love it. If someone, big poppy, right, um, if someone misses first base and they hit a home run, you can have problems, and sometimes people go to church, and they serve, and sometimes people, they, they do all these things, they read their Bible, they do all this, but they, they never took that first step, and, and the principle is simply this, and I just want you to get it, because what a teaching moment this is, is that obedience brings blessing. Do you hear me, Navar? Obedience, say it with me, everyone, obedience brings blessing. Now, that's not my message, but that's, uh, that was just a little extra for free. And, uh, you know, like when you go to a good restaurant, you know they have good food. I'm like, give me the appetizer. Give me the entree. Give me the dessert. I want it all. Keep the bread coming and the sweet tea flowing. Anyone want to say amen? All right. I'm glad we're here this morning. I'm hungry. Can you tell? Um, So today is part two on patience. And we're talking about better. Someone say better. Better. We're talking about better. We read the verse last week where it said that. Patience is better than pride. Patience is better than pride. Why do I hesitate? Why do, why, why do I hesitate to wait? Why do I resist patience? Why is it so hard for Timothy Jason Payne to be patient? Because I don't know about you. I just know about me. And I am not good at being as patient as I should. I'm not that good. And it's something where God is still having to work in me. Because one of of my strengths, I don't know if you read the book Strengths Strengths Finder. It's a great book. Um, One of my strengths is uh, futuristic. And my wife just laughed, and I knew she would. And, and the reason why is because, man, I'm always down the road. I'm always thinking down the road. I'm like, okay, here, this is great. And then, okay, but i got to be thinking about what's next, what's next, what's next. Anyone in here say, yeah, that's me? Raise it up. Anyone? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like this morning, I'm out there, and I waited till 9.01 to get out of my car. And I parked in the furthest parking space, and I waited, and I'm watching everyone, and I wanted to make sure that things are right. Why? Because I'm already thinking about next Sunday. That's why. And, and so that futuristic gift can also get me in trouble because I want it, and I want it now. I want results now. Do you want results? If you don't, 
we, we'll pray for you right now. Jesus, some of y'all are like, I'm just happy going through life for results. Who cares about results? Life is results. This is results. And then there are people like me like, it's driving me crazy. Like, let's move the ball forward, right? And somewhere in between is a, a beautiful balance that I'm still trying to find. But patience is hard. If you're sitting next to someone, you know they struggle with patience. Go ahead and rat them out. Hold your hand up. You don't have to point to them. Just you know what I'm talking about. Patience is hard. <laughs> patience is so stinking hard. And you know why God oftentimes makes us wait? God makes us wait because the growing that needs to be done in us must first happen inside where others can't see. Like, we want the victory, we want this, we want that. But first, God says, okay, I, I got to begin a work in you. Let me, let me spell it out. So when I became a campus pastor in Tampa, 2009, I think, 2008, 2009, um, I met with this guy who was, a, uh, he was like a church planner's dream. He was, he was a gift to church planners. He had a lot of wisdom, and, and, um, and so he was such a help. And I remember eating for breakfast. I remember hanging on every word that he said, and I'm writing it down. I'm taking good notes. By the way, this just just for anyone, the, the way that we become better leaders is we ask questions. The way teenagers, listen, 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 you can, you can become smarter if you ask your parents questions. If you ask the wrong people questions, you're not going to really maybe get the truth. And mom and dad have been there, done it. No one loved you more. No one loves you more than mom and dad. You can ask them questions. If you play on a sports team, if you're struggling in a class, ask that teacher, ask that coach. If you're struggling at your, at your place of work and you're like, man, good night, I, I haven't got a raise, ask them, go to them, find out, man, what can I do better? Go ask your boss. You, you, you want to you wanna, um, hit the acceleration in your life? It's great to ask questions. Ask your boss, man, if you were me, what would you do differently? Man, what do you see in me that maybe is hindering my growth? How can I get better? Are you with me? And so just questions like that. So I'm asking this guy questions, and the, this church planning guy said this. He said, Tim, this whole campus pastor thing, like God's going to do great things in the church, and every person is important. But I believe with all my heart that what God is wanting to do in you, how God is wanting to grow you, how God is wanting to change you is more important than the results that you're wanting to see. Because God's wanting results in you. And I said, that hurt. There's this great story in the Bible. The problem with this story is it's like a great movie where you're watching it. And you're, the movie's unfolding and you're watching it and then it shows. It, maybe it's here and then it goes back or it starts here and then it goes forward. And then it comes back and you're, okay, 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 well that was earlier and you're trying to figure out the whole thing. There's a story in the Bible that helps us with patience. And today, if you'll listen, I want you to be a note taker. I'd take your phones out. Would you do that? Would you take your phones out? In fact, let's do something we haven't done in a while. Would you take your phones out? Take your phones out. I want you to take notes today because this is going to help you. 
And we're going to get ready. We're going to rock and roll. We're going to go through this story. It's going to help you. There is something that God has for you today. I promise you, you did not get up. You did not hurry and scurry. You did not get ready. You did not argue with your husband or your wife, you know, or God because you don't have one. And on the way to church, you you didn't do that for nothing. God has something huge for you today. This is a game-changing Sunday. Would you go to Facebook real quick? Would you... Uh, say maybe at some point the message what God is speaking to you and then tag some people that need to be here, that need to hear it. Because God's word is what gives us faith. Without the hearing of God's word, we struggle in the faith department. Right? Are you with me? That's right. That's what Romans says. It says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And today I'm going to give you straight up I'm going to give you the word of God, and it's powerful. It's not what I say. It's we're not even a denomination, so it's not what the denomination says because we ain't one. This is what God says. So let God be true. Let everyone else be a liar. In other words, if man's word doesn't match up to God's word, we're just going to go with God's word because man never rose again. Man never died for me. Man never set me free. Are you with me? Anyone excited? Are you ready? Are you expecting great things today? Did you come with great expectation? Did you come today? So here's the story. There's this guy named Abram and and Sarai. We talked about her last week. We talked about when the Bible says you're hot, you're hot. And the Bible says that Sarai was hot. In fact, she was so hot that Abram one time got in trouble. He was going to a different land. And Pharaoh, you probably have heard of the Pharaohs. One of the Pharaohs, uh, he knew, Abram knew that Pharaoh would want Sarah because Sarah's hot. And so he said, listen, when we go here, you're just going to lie. Tell them that you are my sister because if you say you're, we're, we're actually, you know, I'm your husband, they're going to kill me. And I don't want this to happen. That is no good. All right. So let's do that to that because that's no good. So you just tell them. And sure enough, Pharaoh sees her and has to have her. Beautiful woman. Let me have her. And then he gives all these gifts in eight different categories of gifts. He just gives to Abram. And then God sends blood or curses his way. And um, he doesn't touch her, and he realizes, wait a second, why'd you lie to me? This is your wife. Get out of here. And Pharaoh escorts him out of the land. Get it out. Someone say, get it out. Today, we want impatience to get out. That's what we want to get out. And so now, here's Abram. See, Abram wasn't perfect. Abram wasn't perfect, but Abram loved God, and Abram believed God. Scripture says that he believed God, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. It's one of the most beautiful verses in the Bible. That's what faith is. Would you write it down? Faith is believing that God is who he says he is, and that God will do what he says he will do. That's what faith is. And when life comes your way, and when trials come your way, because that's what builds patience. Is problems and trials and testing. We talked about it last week. And so when that comes your way, the way way to remain peaceful, the way to remain in patience, the way to not become a patient because you're having a heart attack because you're worrying all the time and you're stressing and wigging out, the way to stay away from that is to stay in peace, is to stay in patience. How do you stay in patience? You hold on to your faith. When your bank account says you don't have it, you speak to your bank account and says, you say to it, God has it. And my God will supply all my needs. So patience is hard because we don't trust God. 
That's why patience is so hard. It's twofold. Patience is hard because we don't trust God that he is who he says he is. And we don't trust God that he will do what he says he will do. But patience is also hard because I'm proud. You're proud. We're full of pride. And I think my way is the best way. Is that what you think? All you got to do to come to that conclusion is say, I do. I love it. I've done so many weddings, and I do the counseling. I won't do a wedding without counseling them. And, and so I'll counsel them, and I'll talk to them, and they're just sitting so close, you know. And I love those. It's bad when they're sitting far apart. I'm like, Lord Jesus, this ought to, ought to be the best time in your life. When you come in for premarital counseling and you're ticked, you know, um, constantly ticked, there's a problem. All right? But, uh, man, the, one of the last weddings I did, uh, Ellen and Preston, that's who it was. I'm going to go ahead and throw their name out there. Can I just do that one? Just the way Ellen was looking at Preston. She's looking at him like, oh, baby, I can't wait to kiss your lips off. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, how blessed am I? They, could, they loved each other. You could tell it. They had it all over themselves. What was on the inside was coming out. And so here they are in premarital counseling. And in premarital counseling, I'm trying to help them get a foundation for God. And all you got to do to realize that you're proud and you're selfish and you want your own way is that this turns into the this. How many know what I'm talking about? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Don't raise it too high. Just Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And so God now, he's going to work in Abram's life and he's going to test Abram. And the way God tests us is God gives us a promise. That's the way, one of the ways God tests us is God gives us a promise. Now listen, that promise may be nothing more than a desire. And the Bible says that when I'm right with God, listen, when I'm right, oh God, that's going to help somebody. I'm excited. When I'm right with God, God will give me his desires. They, his desires will become my desires. You want to know God's will? In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God. You give thanks in everything. See, it's hard to complain and give thanks at the same time. That's why scripture said, give thanks in everything. That's why the Bible said, pray at all times. Because if I'm praying at all times, if I'm walking with God at all times, I'm not getting in the flesh. I'm not complaining. I'm not losing trust in God, which leads to impatience. Anyone with me? And so we bless the Lord at all times. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless the Lord. And God gives you a promise, and it might be a desire. And you want to know God's will is as simple as this. Get as close to God as you can and do do your heart's desire. Some people say, I I just don't know God's will. Are we supposed to do this or do that? I I don't know. I don't know. You get as close to God. Get close to God. You stay in the presence of God. You stay obedient to God. And the desires that are in you are in you from him. Some of you, that's why you moved here. You came here on vacation. You said, oh, God, this beach is beautiful. Oh, God, it would be so awesome. And then over a season, that desire began to grow. And you're like, Lord, I mean, you want me to leave our family? Like, like not my family, right? But you want to leave our family and our cousins and all that? You want us to leave this area? And we were born here and we grew up here and, and my business. And, and you want us to move there? And that desire just kept growing. For some of you ladies, it's a baby. And you desire to have a baby. Where did that 
where did that desire come from? It didn't come from Satan. Because Satan's always tried to kill the baby. Let's see if I can go here for a minute. When God gives you a promise, that promise is a seed. And faith is the water that waters the seed. And the longer you stand in faith, the you stand in faith, the longer you stand there, then you stay in faith. And your faith waters the seed. It waters the promise that God gave you. So whether it's a job or or a husband or a wife or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a pay raise or a child salvation, no matter what it is, or your grandkids to move back where you can do life with them and not see them once a year, whatever it is, or for a child that's wandering, you're empty nesters, they're wandering, they're far from God. Whatever that is, you stand in faith and you stay in faith. Do get clap for this. Thank you. Clap for the next sentence. I'm coaching. I'm coaching. Do not ever dig up in doubt what you planted in faith. Don't dig up in doubt. Well, maybe God didn't say. Maybe this desire isn't from God. I have a friend who who desires to to be married. And a lot of friends, I, I'm, I'm the guy that still is friends with friends from K-5. And, and so my parents would always laugh. They'd say, your best friend, you have like 50 best friends. Who's your real, you know. And so one of my friends wants to be married. And at one point, my friend said to me, um, the friend said, I, maybe I'm supposed to be single. And I stopped it right there and I said, no. And here's why I know that's not the truth. That's not the truth because you love Jesus, you walk with Jesus, and you have a desire to be married. That desire didn't come from hell. That desire was born from above. It came from heaven, from God, from God's love. So I want to ask you a question, then I'm going to read some scripture. What promise has not come through, and you're not sure what to do? What promise are you waiting on to show up? And you're running on fumes in your faith tank. What has not happened in your life and you're getting impatient about it because you want it now. See, if God gave me now what I wanted now, it might crush me. Because sometimes what we ask God for comes with a sacrifice we know nothing about. I, if you don't have, I just, I got chills for all of us today. I feel God speaking to someone. Maybe it's just me. I'm going to have a spell. You just watch. God's touching my heart today. Sometimes we say, God, I want it. But, but we have no clue the price tag that's going to come with it. See, Abram prayed for a son. But he had no idea that one day God would ask him to lay that son down on an altar and sacrifice him. So when he's believing God for a son, I don't have kids. What are we going to do? He had no idea the sacrifice that was ahead, the pain and the trials. All right, I'm going to get to it. Can I have like two hours to preach this message today? Do y'all love Jesus that much? I won't do it. Y'all are the lucky ones because y'all got a gathering next night at Navarre. You're, you're good too. Everyone, Turn to someone and say, we're ready. Let's go. Here's some scripture we're going to pick up. Ready? Genesis 11.30. Genesis 11.30. But Sarai was unable to become pregnant, and she had no children. All right? Then we go to Genesis 12.2. You can take notes. Genesis 12.2. Here we go. 
Genesis 12, 2. By the way, when promise number one, when the first time the promise came to Abram, he was 75. His wife, Sarai, was nine years younger. She's 66. God spoke to Abram and he said, Abram, I know you have no kids. Here's the problem with no kids. If you have no kids, then your land would go to your servants. Land was your wealth. So Abram wanted kids. In the very beginning of scripture where we see Sarai's name first mentioned, it says, and we read it last week, I believe, it says that she was barren. Someone say barren. And today I want to talk to you about barren but beautiful. Barren but beautiful. It could be beautiful but barren. That was Sarai. But today we're going to flip the page and we're going to talk about barren. She was barren. She's beautiful. Listen to this. Sometime later, after the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You've given me no, look, he's blaming God. You ever blame God? Have you ever blamed God? You ever blamed God for something that you don't understand? What's funny to me is when calamities and tragedies strike, the atheists blame God. Abram says this, you give me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, no. How many understand no? Our little babies don't, do they? They say no. No. You know, they... Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir. Here it comes. For you will have a son of your own. Was God clear? You have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, look up into the sky and count the stars (laughs) if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous, 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 just as if he had never sinned. Righteous, perfect, righteous. Why? Because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. That's a whole other message. We don't have time for that one. But God was telling him, not only am I going to give you a son, I'm going to give you all this land that's filled with all kinds of enemies. I'm going to give it to your children. Now we're going to fast forward. How old is Abraham? When God first gave the promise, he's 75. He would not see his son until he was 100. And some of us think we've been waiting a long time for God to come through. What do you do when God doesn't come through? You believe in God. You need a financial breakthrough because the the lack of funds in the bank is not enough to pay the bills this month. See, there's one thing to just put your credit card out there and go further into debt. 
And there's another thing to bend your knees, to bow your head, to raise your hands, and to call on the God who makes the sun rise and the sun set. That's faith. See, when men won't feed you, ravens will. God can do anything. Some of y'all know that story. God can do anything. Nothing is too hard for God. Some of you, there's an obstacle in your way, and you're struggling with impatience because you still struggle. You still wrestle. God, if you love me, then why am I still like this? Why can't I change this in my life? Everyone sees my outside, God. They see my smile. They see my personality. I'm talking about all of us in here, not me, right? Just me. And, and God, and, and we can all be like this. God, but why everyone says, man, you're so good at this, or you have a great voice, or you're so gifted here, or you're such a great mother, or you're so phenomenal. You're an entrepreneur, man. You're genius. And, and all these compliments, and you're beautiful, but you know deep inside you are barren. Because there's a promise that God made. There's a desire that God gave you. And God gave it to you. And Satan's trying to talk you out of it. And God gave it to you. And it hasn't come through. And the enemy will love to speak to that. That's why you got to stand and stay in faith. That's why you speak the word. Because when we speak the word of God, the enemy leaves. How many need Satan to get out of your life? Anyone here? Anyone? Then you just say, shut up, devil. Shut up, devil. I'm not listening to that lie. I'm not listening to that lie. God forgave me of that, and he doesn't even remember my sins anymore. Shut up. Hey, when Satan reminds you of your past, you remind him of your future. Hey, I spoke to a devil this morning. I said, let me just remind you of where you're going. You're going to the lake of fire for eternity. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. You come against me. When your enemies come against you, your God will surround your enemies. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we can fight back. Do not let the enemy steal your faith. Well, that's exactly what's going on for Abram. There's a crisis here. There's a crisis of faith. So what do you do when God doesn't come through? Well, now Abram's 86. He was 75. You do the math. Now Sarai is 77. And Genesis 16, 1 through 6 is where we pick up. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. Can, can that sentence alone, can I just tell you about the incredible, um, what that probably did to her self-esteem? Can I tell you what that did to her inwardly? Can I tell you how many tears that she shed? Can I tell you how many times she cried because her value was tied to giving him not just children, but specifically giving him sons. And she was beautiful but barren. But God said, no, you're barren, but you're beautiful. Because God has this thing called the God cam. God sees because he is beginning to the end, so he has no problem seeing my beginning to the end. God has no problem, no problem whatsoever. Sarai is struggling. She wasn't able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. Who probably was given to them when they went and Pharaoh gave them maidservants, men and women. There's something there. Egypt represents sin. Some of you are tracking with me. You can, you're with me. 
the Lord, the Bible says, so Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Go and sleep with my servant. Now, back there in those manners and customs, that was like totally, um, I'm not saying that it was right with God, but people did it all the time. It's kind of like premarital sex. Like, man, we, it's nothing. We do it all the time. But, but God still, right, um, has a standard. God still speaks into our life to protect our heart. And so now, now they're starting to think like the world instead of thinking like their heavenly father. So she's like, listen, here's what we're going to do. You just go, she says. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps, perhaps I can have children through her. By the way, in those manners and customs, what would happen is the servant would have a baby, and then it was actually would be the couples who own the servant. It would be their baby, their son, their daughter. And so perhaps, she's saying, perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations, just make sure we're clear. Had that talk with my son a couple weeks ago. That was interesting. I tell him about it, and he's like. He said, Dad, if I got to do that, I'm just going to adopt. I said, that's funny, son. Believe it or not, one day you'll think differently. That's funny. I don't care who you are. And Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. It looked like the way the world worked. And she became pregnant that easy. She'd been waiting on God all these years. And look, her idea, her idea got her what she needed. <laughs> Why did I wait on God so long? He's a slow poke. You ever thought that? We'd never say it. Have you ever thought it? You ever felt it? But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. Now, I see a lot of humor here in the scripture. Let me explain what the Hebrews talking about here. Sarai had an idea. Sarai told Abram what to do. Abram did what she said. And then when, when Hagar got pregnant, Sarai said, it's your fault. It's your fault, Abram. Listen to the wisdom of Abram. Men, we can learn from this. Oh, Jesus. She said, this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms, but now she's pregnant, and she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. And she's picking a fight. And Abram replied. There's a verse that says soft words, right? Angry words, they stir up anger, but soft words, they turn away wrath. Listen to this. Abram replied, look, she's your servant, so deal with her as you see fit. Notice Abram didn't say, oh, no, you didn't. Do you remember? Notice he didn't go there. He had a little wisdom to him. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. Abram's 86, Sarai's 77. Ishmael is born. That is the start of the Arab world. Abram was a Jew. Ishmael means God hears. Hagar was Egyptian. Egypt in the Bible often 
refers to is a symbol or a picture of sin. It's not as a country, but in the Bible times, when you speak of Egypt, many times it's referring to sin, to bondage. See, when she tried to figure out God's will, she was impatient on the promise because she lacked the trust in God. What she did is she partnered with the enemy. And when Sarah couldn't get God's will to come through, she said, well, since I can't get God's will to come through, here's what I'm going to do. What is that? That's pride. Pride says God isn't coming through, so here's what we're going to do. Where are you, where are you steering your life? Where do you think you know better than God? See, Sarah tried to fulfill God's promise. She tried to fulfill God's will. That's what Sarah did. She tried to fulfill God's will. She tried to do it her way. She thought she knew more than God. But when she did, she invited a problem that is still continuing today. ISIS was, this is the start of the tensions. In fact, the Arab world, they'll, they'll speak of this. They trace their lineage all the way back to Ishmael. Listen to this. Ishmael, God said, he will be a wild man. He will be untamed. He will raise his fist against everyone. That means he had a temper. And he will have problems with everybody. Listen, if you have problems with everyone, FYI, you're the problem. Impatience creates conflict. Impatience creates conflict. Pride says God isn't coming through. Pride says I want control. Pride is a high opinion of one's own importance and one, one's own intelligence. Be, key, be careful when you get around people who think they're smarter than God. Or be careful when you get around people who think they got God figured out. Because God is so much bigger than a small box. God can do anything. He's like, no, no, no. No, no. Patience says I will wait because I can trust I like to say today that God doesn't need our help to do what he already said he would do. Because everything that God says he will do, God will do, and God will come through. Now, I like to say today that the only thing worse than not waiting on God is wishing you had. The only thing worse than not waiting on God is finding out that your way wasn't the best way. It wasn't the right way. And finding out that, dang it, I wish I would have waited on God. I might not have had. How does that come through in our daily lives? Well, for a friend of mine, here's how it came through. She wanted to be married so bad. Wanted to be married. Wanted to be married. As her age was ticking up, her faith was lowering. As she was getting older, her faith was lowering. And God's not going to come through, not going to come through. And she's waiting and she stood in faith. She did, just didn't stay in faith. So she stood in faith and then she's left the post. She left it. See, the graveyard of doubt is where most people's faith dies. That's what happened, Sarah. God, yeah, God told you. Well, God didn't tell me. How come we don't have a kid? God's talking to you all the time. He's not, it's not coming through. So she took matters into her own hands. And from that point on, there was nothing more than conflict. She had 
this problem over here. The problem was she didn't have a son, so she thought she'd figure it out and do it her way. When she did it her way, her peace, see, she thought she would solve, and then she would have peace. But the problem was still there, and God had still spoken. Now, I really need another message to finish this, so I'm going to finish it next week. I'm going to finish it. I don't know. I may just hang out here for a year. I may just stay right here. Who knows? We planned out for a while. You know what? We'll just, we'll see. I think actually I'll finish it next week. What, what do you do? What do you do? When you're in the battle of God coming through, what do you do? Or I could ask you the question this way. You remember when you stood in faith? What was the tipping point that kept you from staying in faith? Do you remember that? You remember at one time you really believed God? You really believed God. And the truth is now, you don't feel Him. Truth now, if you're being honest, the truth, you feel hardened. You feel cold. Or we can say it this way. You feel, as a Christian, you feel God is distant. You feel God is so far from you. You wonder where is God. And the truth is, the truth is that the truth will set you free. And the truth is that if we would look back and say, God, where did I lose it? Where did I lose the belief that what you said was true? Where did I lose the trust in you? Because patience, really, there's a bigger root to patience, impatience. See, it's in the soil of trust that patience grows. I can, I, can, I can wait on God if I trust him. But if I don't trust him, I can't wait on him. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You went through a few marriages. They, they didn't work out, and you're going through the pain right now. You said you kept waiting for them to change. They kept waiting for them to change. Kept waiting for them to change. They were still abusive. They were still, every time you turned around, still cheating on you. And you gave them time after time after time. And then finally you said, I cannot trust you, so I cannot wait on you. Now, if we can apply that here, and we'll pray. Satan knows this. That's why Satan tries to take God's word, which is a seed, out of your life. That's why reading the Bible yourself for you is so vitally important. Because the word of God gives me the courage from God to stay in faith with God. Don't let Sundays be an all-you-can-eat buffet and come and you fill up for the week like I do. Don't, don't we do that with gas? I fill up. This is true. I, I fill up every Monday, and I'm like, okay, and that, that, I hope that gets me all the way through Sunday. And I track it that way. Sometimes Christians do that at church. I'm not talking if you're here and you don't believe in God. I'm talking about God's people. They, they get a fill up on Sunday, and they expect that to get them through their week. No, 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 no. No, no. You need to get in the Word. Get in the Word. Get in the word. Do what we've been talking about for weeks. Patrick will come up here at the end. He'll tell you, man, here's how you can get 
get in the word, man. Here's how you can start a plan to stay in faith. Here is my encouragement to you. If you lost it, you can regain it. And next week, I'm going to tell you how. Next week. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? How many say, Tim, I'm struggling. Maybe it's pride. I'm struggling with impatience. I'm a Jesus follower. And maybe you'd say, Tim, the truth is this. The truth is, Tim, is that, you know what? I am battling for belief right now. I'm battling for belief right now. I'm battling to stay in the game. Maybe it was a desire God gave me. Maybe it was a promise that God gave me. Maybe it's even his, even his words. And I, I used to stand confident that what God said was true. But now I have so many doubts. Man, I stopped reading the Bible a long time ago because I just, I, be, I just, being honest, I, I, I just struggle in believing anything God said. Because I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And it didn't come through. It didn't happen. We're going to talk about it next week. How many say, that's me, Tim. God's spoken in my heart today. God's spoken in my heart today. Would you raise your hand all over? Would you raise your hand all over? All over. All over. I'm with you. Jesus, help us. Not just to stand in faith, help us to stay in faith. Listen, the next week, next week, the message, and that was the end of the message here, is the application is going to be so helpful for you. Do not let the devil keep you from being in God's house next week. I promise you, you need to hear, you will want to hear, you will need to apply, we will need to apply the truth that God has next week. And I want to say if you're here today, and you've never given your life to Jesus. Man, we do not. We do not like to close out a momentum gathering without giving people the invitation. And, and that is simply an invitation that's been going for thousands of years. It's not ours. It's God's. He just asked us to extend it. So we extend his invitation to you. That if you're here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you just said a prayer. But you do not know God. Maybe you're religious, but you're lost. Maybe, maybe you're like, I, I've never wanted God. I've never, and today I have a desire for God in my life. Whoever that is, wherever you are, God knows you. He loves you. The Bible says that we were born sinners, that there's a sinful nature inside of us. And because of Adam and Eve's disobedience by birth, we were given this curse of sin. Genesis 3.15 was spoken yesterday at Lyft. The first promise, big theologian word, but it's the first promise that Jesus would come. And Jesus' heel would crush the serpent's head. And what that means is that God crushed the penalty and the payment for your sin so you wouldn't be crushed. And if today, if you will accept the gift of God, which is eternal life, and it's only through his son, Jesus Christ. Then today you can be made, you can become a child of God. If you want to do that today, would you pray? We're all going to pray out loud as a family. But it's not just haphazardly saying this prayer that gets you into heaven. No, 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 no. No, it's in, it's in you putting your faith in Jesus. And if you want to do that today, then pray with us. Would you, momentum? Family, let's pray this out loud and encourage those who will pray it for the first time. Let's pray it. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. For my sin.
in my shame, in my pain. Thank you for rising again so that I could have new life. I now give you my life. Teach me how to live. I declare that Jesus is Lord. Help me follow you. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, on the count of three, we want to celebrate what's a football game without some touchdowns. The touchdown of Momentum Church is every time, every time, every time, someone who's far from God That's right. crosses the line of faith and gives their life to God. That's, that's who we are. It's why we exist. So get ready, Jesus followers, who together are going to celebrate those who today had courage. They heard, they felt God, and they responded. On the count of three, if that was you, would you raise your hand? We're not going to embarrass you. We're going to celebrate with you. Holy Spirit of God, give them courage, I pray in Jesus' name. On the count of three, you raise your hand. We're going to applaud. One, two, three. Right now, raise it up. Raise it up all over. I'm so proud of you.